evening and welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals uh, from around the country and we talk about law enforcement issues from a law enforcement perspective. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our panelists and guys, if you don't mind waving for the video portion of our show, uh, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor. Um, I don't know where he's at. I think he's in the U.S. this week. It is Ward Mythaler. We also have retired chief John Newman. We have retired Major Ronald McMullen, retired Corporal David D. Gresta, and from the state of New York, we have retired Officer Cody Ann Cook. Also, a uh, shout-out to our sponsors. We have PECSIP. They're a software platform for unified communication, and so we are powered by PECSIP through their teleconferencing software, and we're also syndicated in the radio five days a week through Good Talk Radio, and we're also on with I-10FM and the free press and uh, gosh, we've got Calm Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, and Viridian Weapon Technologies. You'll be hearing more information about all these sponsors a little bit later. All right, let's see what we got next here. Uh, yet another video, PoliceOne.com. And this one's an off-duty officer. Yes, this is the one we've been waiting for. Off-duty officer fatally shoots a would-be armed robber. And yeah, we did talk about this uh, before we, we started the show. Uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, um, an off-duty officer is being hailed as a hero after surveillance video shows her shooting a would-be armed robber at a Mother's Day event near a school. Now, this was originally reported, I guess, on Fox News. A 42-year-old Brazilian military officer, Katia de Silva Satre, was standing near a group of women and children celebrating a Mother's Day event when an armed man tried to warn them. Now, um, she was attending the event with her daughter. And she pulled out her firearm when she looked like she had it in a purse that she was carrying. And she shot the man who was identified as 21-year-old 20, um, Elvington Neves Moreira three times in the chest she hit him, according to the Daily Mail. Now, the officer kicked Moreira's gun out of his reach, just textbook stuff, after he fell to the ground. And he was taken to the hospital where he later, later died, according to the son. And I guess a mother of two girls... Um, she has worked on the police force for 20 years. Um, I think Ward and David are having a, a, a challenge to see who can get over, over to Brazil and meet her first. But uh, yeah, she, took, she did take care of uh, business. And it's just a, a, a great video. I, I mean, I watched it a number of times because just, I don't know, it's just worth watching. It's just, it's just incredible. And we'll have it on the show throughout the week. But any, any comments on this, guys? I got to hear from somebody on this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ward, why don't you go and start it off, and and, and David. I mean, I was and Ward, if you want, don't be shy. If you want to give out your phone number, Ward, that's perfectly okay on the show too. She's interested in a seventy-year-old sugar daddy. <laughs> she, she can call into your show. What? What? As a sidebar, the one thing that I that I noticed is she almost got hit by a car after she picked up the gun that was kicked away, and it surprised me that the driver of the car took off so so quickly, wanting to get out of there. Yeah, probably an accomplice. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, you're right, David. Yeah, that that was that was all good. I mean, we're. I'm sorry, Cody, but you're as soon as this video hits the uh, hits the show, your fan base will transfer. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that was that was. I mean, you know, we're at at that point. I mean. I, I I have to I have to be careful what I say. I, I, I'm not sure if my wife is in is, is within earshot. <laughs> <laughs> now it, it was it was a good video. She saw it coming. 
you could see the the, the people that were uh, some of the other women that were standing there in the group with children and, and whatnot. Uh, you could see that they knew something was was about to go down. Uh, they were aware of their surroundings. Uh, he came up. He, he, he she gave him no chance to uh, to facilitate his act and, and did what she needed to do. Put him on the on the ground and then at that point stayed on him. Uh, uh, kicked him over onto his face very nicely. I liked it very much. And um, uh, it was it was very nice. I liked it very much. I'll stop there. Okay, Dave, you can be good cop this time, and this time I'll be bad cop. She did a fabulous job. She got him, you know, she got her gun out. She got him, you know, she shot him. She got him down. She got the gun away from him that was on the ground that was in close proximity. Great uh, the only thing I didn't like is that she actually came up and went hands-on with her foot and kind of rolled him over and practically stepped on him. Getting that close to him, he could have swiped her legs. I mean, yeah, he's down for the count because he's been shot, but you don't know how dazed and out he is. He had the potential to take her down. Um, I think she should have kept her different distance and waited for somebody else to get there to, to you know, get him rolled over, get him cuffed, whatever. But um, other than that, she did a fabulous job. Good for her. Hater. Hater. <laughs> Yeah, she uh, she kept the kids out of it, and, and I must say that some people will wait in a situation like that until the gunman um, does not have the gun pointed in their direction. But she she took him out when the gun was still pointed, maybe not necessarily at her, but right next to her. But I mean, and, and then she immediately took cover behind the vehicle, which ended up fleeing. But she immediately took cover behind that vehicle, uh, which was um, she had the wherewithal to think about all this when it was going down, and the bad guy had the gun still pointed at her while she's doing all that. Um, and she was able to make contact five times in the chest. Wow. Yeah. Well, so. th three times, but, but, but three? Who, who's, yeah, who's, See, who's, uh, who's, split, who, you know, who's splitting hairs? It. All I know is, is, is at what point Ward, you know, as soon as we can get the tickets to Brazil, we're going to go down there and do a, a, a... <laughs> the, the women cop. Well, that's all good. All right, guys, anybody else on this one? You know, um, I have a tie-in for, you know, and the myth that we're going to be, and just give a little synopsis on, can find it online and read it. Something else, Jeff, I kind of like you to just... And the myth, and it was uh, published on Saturday, talk about how there's been, there's an epidemic of race shootings going on across the current election, and it's coming up, and as we come into it again, in this narrative is that you've had you've had you've had assassination going to comply with police acting racist, uh, but being motivated by it's not you know fair treatment under the law to rebel. But it's clearly you, know, you, you see a lot of celebrities uh, during the election. He talked about you know of blacks being shot by officers. Uh, of of how this is because of racism, without actually providing any evidence. But up here, I have a, a just. I mean, my my point of the article: racist incidents, right? There are racism in the U.S. Just like there isn't. Every not to diminish that, as it's a false narrative, piece and really threaten the rule of law. It, it, it also takes away from a legitimate argument. There is a police officer who acts. We all need to come together and say racist, and we need to. The guy, need, if, if the part of a debate that needs to be stopped in order to make these allegations, you have is just not there. In fact, I'll just read you these numbers real quickly. This is a, I got these numbers from the 16. The Washington Post has a data actually much more comprehensive as the Bureau of Statistics have. So it's worse for police officers. So that's what I use. So 963 police of them, 235% of them are men. But it is misandrious. You know, if, if the police are mostly shooters, they're, they're misandrious. It's the exact corollary of saying a black suspect, therefore he's racist. So out of, out of those two, uh, 
black people who were shot, 17 of them were unarmed. Doesn't mean that it's not, you know, just as why someone unarmed can pose a death. Just because somebody has a gun doesn't mean it's a good shooting either, but criminal who's armed and the police end up in all individually. But anyhow, it's 17 people, and we're all familiar, all talked about them. And with the ex all seem like, they all seem like good. In 15, there were 900, uh, 258 of them were blacks, so are almost identical. They're very close. 991 people set attack in progress when the police. So just again, just like, what are the chances these are just attack in, pro in progress? And there were uh, 38 unarmed. So what I did in this article was if the, if the, the accusation epidemic of police shootings, like in D.C., my friends are very much Sanders fans, real social groups of friends, and I like hearing what they The number one worry of teenage son leaves the house is that he'll be... And, and I told him, you know, it's one of two things is, is true because the, the numbers are so, so propagandized by the media. This is a bigger problem than it is. It's a mental illness to think their son faces when he leaves the house. So these numbers are from the uh, statistics. There, okay, there were 750 officers in uh, 2012 numbers. Um, unarmed black men who were killed by police, and by if not all were justified, but there probably weren't. But I assume all, every unarmed person, that, that gives you a ratio of shooting for every 44,000 officers. You know, you know, an epidemic is just in quick, quick numbers. I'll give you over 10 million, 10 million uh, thousand arrests made by one bad shooting out of every 6,000 arrests, right? Numbers. And then um, from the Bureau of Justice, the average percent of the population has contact in, 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 in Georgia, the, the, or, yeah, I did the 23 uh, million, which 13.3% were black down to if, if blacks at the national, that meant that there were 9 million plus contacts between and black people. Out of every 500 uh, contacts, so for us, in the number of officers uh, shooting for bad, which they were a big problem. I mean, the statistics that that was taken, you know, but it's not statistically. And then the, the last thing, racial disparity, because what happens is shot in like 2016, 20, but blacks in 23% of the population. So you know, this is double double than being shot. Therefore, there there it does it. You know, there's no. So my my master's was in. And so when you when you take two big this number exists, percent of the population are black by police. Therefore, racism, what you're doing is your your confusion. And and it's it's right. So um, uh, let me let me just show you the, the numbers you have to look at. If you look at confounding this could explain that discrepancy, because right, it could why why are black could be racism. So you have a few of them that I pulled out were basic residency and uh, behavior and, and these these were uh, blacks at population uh, 6.6% of the arrest, 1.1% of the arrest, 0.1% of the arrest for aggravated percent of the arrest for weapons possession. Numbers and 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 I'll, nothing to do with race, right? It's population, and you say comes from a from a general population. Anyone in that population means that for whatever. In in this case, there's another reason. There's a third variable which can which you think. So one of the, uh, young people do most of the crime in this country. Of a uh, serious is done. At an age of, of blacks in this country, one for whites. So because skews younger, there's going to be air. It doesn't mean that black people or younger people are more violent, and young males of any race, right? But if, if the population is more, uh, they're going to I jump in there. I want to go and talk about our friends at Column Case Management. So are you tired of case and record management systems that are difficult to use, inaccurate, and hard to report off of? How about help desk that take hours to respond to simple questions when it should just take seconds to answer. Check out Column Case Management's state-of-the-art investigative software. With a 24-hour help desk, they respond within 30 to 45 seconds. Besides great customer service, investigators choose Column's modern software platform for the following reasons. Their software makes it easier to enter and manage data through the life cycle of the case. And with their link analysis module, investigators and analysts can effortlessly connect the dots throughout the case life cycle, quickly drag and drop any size attachments, including video into a case, and smart reporting helps generate reports with a click of a button or on a schedule. 
And also for law enforcement agencies, their community policing module, it tracks, it manages, and prioritizes all complaints and plans that citizens submit. With their mobile first technology, you can actually use your smartphone, laptop, and or your desktop and have the same functionality. So from the opening of the complaint, the case close, let column case manage, manage the life cycle of your case. Chicago PD is actually their largest client, but their typical agency has 15 to 30 investigators using the application to kind of give you uh, some kind of perspective on how big and small they can go. So for more information, visit columncase.com or schedule a free demo by emailing info at columncase.com. And we appreciate their sponsorship on the show. You've all you've right areas too, and so and heavily related maybe by blacks in certain areas. Make that make that sense. Um, retired ATF agent on the show, um, just the way he was raised. When we professor that came out with some go um, that that um, you know Charles just and David, he just said, look, it's just the way. Um, whether you know, that's just the, what we were. That's just the way we were. Um, you know, which is unfortunate. Um, Chief, I, I see you're you're up first, Chief. You know, I don't know about all those numbers, all that crap, but not accurate or, or, or speaking from personal experience and receiving end of uh, cop pretty much obvious uh, but I've been on the receiving end of uh, you know so some of what he said uh, Jeffrey said I'm, I'm, when I'm experienced uh, speaking for the majority of the young younger be more because <laughs> this happened when I was uh, 21 you know happened to them we, we can crunch numbers along, but at the, at the end, you know, it, it, it's happened or a friend and, and now we're, you know, and so um, the, the, the dirty was, you know, you know, at the same time, I see, you know, that was. Well, it, I think a lot of that's on, on uh, more scenarios involving, you know, why not necessarily. Yeah, well, if, if uh, stepped out, even though I know I was being treated, it would have been a deadly force. You know, I probably would have been one of those. You know, I handle it a different way and, and, and go back later and, and, and. Yeah, go ahead. I take your points. Uh, there's the point of this article is not to say there are the point was wasn't even to address. the point was to address narrative that killed at high rates. We've heard this repeated over and over by celebrities and, and, and by Paul. What I was what I was trying to show is one, it wasn't a large 17 people who unarmed. No, because we've actually looked very carefully over good shootings. But you're one of those 17, of course. But. Uh, 300,000 plus, almost was it, 700,000. You know, it's not a huge number of officers that are engaged. Happens is the way they back this up of blacks are shot by police. And that's not approving something. And you have those. And it, it, you, they take a population, for instance, the wage gap, make less than men, be mystic, and don't want to pay. But then when you look at confounding the time in the workforce, big breaks, the degree, or, you know, there's like 30 uh, control for them, the, the, the gap completely. Does. You just look at, when you just look at a dip of blacks or women, and, and you say, this is for, I'm going to show you the one, in our case here, racism, correlation, for, uh, a causation. And what I've done in this article, the other things, which, you know, one, so one, it's not really significant to, to show. In, and then two, we got to, we got to, all right. Well, I think. Yeah. Any, anything else, guys, on this? All right. Let's end. Um, and and we're, I'll have a link to that article that whether it be people on the show or listeners watching, too. Um, you know, I hate to say when Brett is right, but man, this guy, you, you were on it, Brett, last week, apparently, because there's an article in lawenforcementtoday.com and also on Police One about body cameras. And it, it, it really it, it really goes a lot in line with what you were saying, Brett. 
it says that these um, BWCs are, uh, you know, body-worn cameras, that they began being used in many police departments across the country. It also says that um, almost uh, every other agency in the nation um, is is committing to its use in the future. So if you're if you haven't migrated to it yet, you've you've made a commitment to do it. And this all came about after a string of high-profile police incidents. Now it says that. Um, they were going to hold police accountable and reduce the incidents where police use force. So that was the premise and the goal and, and, and the forecast on this. Now, the largest study that just released, that was just released, that was conducted using 2,224 officers in the Washington, D.C. area where Jeffrey is, and uh, their police department over there, they found that these uh, body-worn cameras have no detectable, meaningful effect on documented uses of force incidents or civilian complaints. Now that's astounding to me. Previously, the main study cited for the use of body cameras, um, it said that uh, there was a 2013 experiment using only 54 officers in California. Maybe that was part of the problem. And uh, another study by NYPD is expected out this spring. Now it says that the vast majority of instances have corroborated what officers and police executives already knew before they spent $40 billion, I'm sorry, $40 million on uh, taxpayer money on cameras. And it says that a super majority of the cases, officers are reasonable and appropriate in their instances of use of force. And it says also that uh, there were some good that came out of the police body cameras. Uh, body cam footage exonerated a ton of police officers in questionable uh, cases, and they justified their actions. The footage was also used in court to obtain convictions and also to train officers. So, um, Brett, I, I'd, I'd actually like you to go first on this, since you were right. You can gloat a little bit if you want to, but any comments from the article? Chip, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Uh, it sucks, ahead, doesn't it? Jeffrey? Yeah, I disagree with the premise of the article. I, I don't think the intent of the body cameras was to prevent police officers from committing like bad acts of force or acting outside of policy. I think the intent of them was to uh, alleviate the, the misconceptions that were in the community. And a big part of law enforcement is perception. You know, it's why we have randomized patrol. It's, it's something that doesn't make any sense for, for, for the amount of money that we put into it. Yet the, the, the belief is that if people see police, they'll feel safer. So I think I think this was it, it, it does a lot of good things. It protects police officers when they're accused. It protects citizens when police officers do in the very rare, rare instances when they do something bad. It, it provides evidence. I mean, it does, it does, it's, a, it's a kind of a somewhat neutral, although imperfect, recorder of facts. So I, I think it does a lot of things. But this idea that somehow that you're going to throw body cameras on police and the, the, uh, the use of force would go way down, I think that's nuts. Police the by and large, I and mean, when you talk about you know a couple of dozen of questionable uh, shootings a year, police are using force the proper way, and they're, and they're doing a great job, and they're risking their lives doing it. So I'm not I'm not surprised by this, and I really don't, I don't believe the premise. All right, very good. You know, I'll um, let me just add that in another article, and let me just see. I think this is also uh, well, it's LawEnforcementToday.com and PoliceOne.com. So I kind of combined both articles on this thing. The leadership conference upturn. It says that one of their criteria. Uh, according to the author, was a requirement that officers not be permitted to see any relevant body-worn camera footage until after that they've completed their incident reports. So we're not talking about IA investigations, but we are talking about them doing their police reports. Now, he said that this strikes me as nothing more than an attempt to play gotcha. And, 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 and Brett, you know, I'm seeing him nod his head a little bit. You know, he was a captain in internal affairs, so I, I think that he would 
know this better than anybody. Police officers are trained to produce incident reports that are as objective and unbiased as they can manage. Conscientious cops will take contemporaneous notes, dictate on the pocket recorders, it says here in the article, review other information sources to help them uh, before they start the write to ensure that the report is as accurate as possible. And it only makes sense that they would review any relevant video as a part of this process. I, I saw that, read that, and I thought that that would come into play in our discussions because it's just downright scary for me. Um, any any comments on this uh, on this thing left, guys? Brett? I think that, especially given the use of force scenarios, when there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of, there's a lot of physiological and psychological changes taking place in the human body. You know, when the cops start writing the reports, they will come up with gaps in their in their in their memory. And it's not that they're lying or being deceptive. It's just that's the way our body works. So why not have something that can take them through every single second so they can give the most correct report? Isn't that what we want? Yeah. So making well, them rely on memory that's certainly faulty through these events is just asking them to put down something that in their mind might be correct, but in reality may be not correct at all. Well, let me ask you this, Brett, and David. David's going to know where I'm coming from on this one. Um, and and I, you're preaching to the choir, but let me. We have a guy that converses with us on almost every video we do on YouTube. His name is Fred Durf, and, I, and David is resisting the urge to roll his eyes when I say that. But Fred's not necessarily what we would most of us would consider pro cop. But anyhow, his response to what you just said, Brett, would be, okay, if cops are allowed to review video footage when they get involved in a shooting before they give an account of what they did or put in the writing, why can't citizens do the same thing? themselves a body camera. Who gives a crap? You know, most yeah. of our scumbags are not going to go buy a camera anyway. So, so what? Let them go get one. Strap it on. Uh, I was just uh, looking at some uh, products you can buy now for citizens called body-worn cameras. Go ahead. Strap it on. Give me your side of the story. I'd love to have your side of the story. Yeah. You know, Chip, uh, people do do that all the time. They use their iPhone videos. Yeah. They do do their own videos, and they use that as to back up part of their story or show only a piece of it, which is another reason why the body-worn cameras for police is so important, because it shows everything from, from, the, from the beginning, you know, not just when the citizen decided they were going to start using it. No, no, I, I agree. David, were you going to add something to it on that? Yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, the, the articles were had, had great points, and, and I, I, I liked all of the articles about the, the body-worn cameras. I thought they were very pointed. Um, I, but I think, the, and, and Jeffrey touched on this, and so did Brett, but I think the point, the, the point that we need to really look at and, and, and grasp is that uh, the body-worn camera is just another tool. It's just one thing. That's that police officers can use uh, in their daily duties. It's just like the taser. It's just like the baton. It's just like any other thing that the police officer has. It's just another tool. It's not that magic panacea that the public thought, okay, now we got them. Oh, we're going to put cameras on all the cops and we're now we're going to know the truth. And oh, oh, gee, yeah, we do know the truth. Wow. Cops are mostly good and they mostly do a good job. Oh, rats. It, it's guys. It's just another tool. It can't be relied on for everything. Ne neither can the taser, neither can the gun, neither can be, you know, any other tool that you, that you carry out there. It's just one tool. So get over the fact that, it's, that, it, that all these people thought that it was going to be that special thing that, that at, like, you saw, like you said, we're going to play gotcha now. Oh, no, it's not that. You're not going to do that. Yeah. Thanks, guys. 
Anybody else on this one? Yeah, just one more point. I, I think it's kind of implied when people ask things like this, like, why, why can police have a chance to see the video when, like, a citizen can't? You know, it, it implies that there's this, this, this uh, relativism, that they're both there on equal footing, when, in fact, the police have been called there to enforce the law. They've been trained, paid, and they're there risking their lives to enforce the rule of law for all of society. It's, they're not on equal footing with the other people that are there. And when they, when they write the reports, they're looking at maybe the call that sent them there if they were in control. You know, they're, they're looking at the address on the house. What they're trying to do is create as accurate a record as they can of what happened there. So the fact that they're looking at a video that they took of a shooting that they were involved in. I see no problem with that whatsoever. And if, if their memory is going to differ with something they see in the video, they can articulate that and they can write that in there and explain why it's different in the video and get out in front of it a little bit so, so people don't, don't uh, misunderstand uh, the limitations of video. Well, thank And that's what I was looking for, Jeffrey. Thank you. Uh, Brett? You know, Chip, back in the day when we were taking reports, you know, we, even if it's something as mundane as a, a stolen bike report, We'd have our notepad. We'd write everything down, including the interview and everything, because you have to have that. So if we're allowed to review our notes for something simple when our memory is working perfectly without stress, certainly we should be able to go back to the record for something, to an event that we know is going to cause memory problems and memory changes. So why not? Yeah, I can't argue with that. So, guys, anything else before we move on? You're listening to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show on Good Talk Radio with the Cutting Edge Radio Network. You can also find us at leoroundtable.com, and we have plenty more to come. Our next one here, and wow, this is what we've been waiting for, policeone.com, woman defecated in cul-de-sac, three separate times now guys you want everybody to pay attention watch the show this is real police work guys east granby granby connecticut connecticut state police the state guys who don't usually get this kind of stuff they say they finally got what they're calling the scoop on the poop now police <laughs> say that on this happened on tuesday they arrested a 43 year old woman imagine you know i'm sure she's got kids and a family and she's all over the news on this thing a 40 year old 43 year old woman they arrest her in connection with a human excrement deposited on three separate occasions in the middle of the same cul-de-sac and they determined that through good police work now holly malone was charged with misdemeanor breach of peace and that's the charge she lives a few miles away from the cul-de-sac in simsbury troopers say that a motion-activated camera was set up after the second incident in November, and it recorded her car. Now, authorities say that Malone told them that she is lactose intolerant, but sometimes eats dairy products. She stopped in the cul-de-sac because she could not make it to the bathroom in time, something that some members of our show here have not been able to do when they were working on duty. It's Anyhow, remember, it's the old dilemma, trying to get the gum belt and the keepers off in time before you take care of business but anyhow, that's another I, I i digress any any comments on this one guys david come on you know brett if you no, don't brett's going to it's not going to be pretty no listen <laughs> all, all i'll say is that when it, i'm sure the camera and brett can appreciate this because we've talked about stories like this before i'm sure that the motion activated camera they're talking about is one of those hunting trail cams Certain animals that go down the same trail, you know, repeatedly, and you then then you can develop a pattern, and you can set up an ambush point, and then you can and oh my god, it was all over poop in a cul-de-sac. Never mind. 
Hey, I mean, you're making fun of this. Could be a big deal for the state police up there. I mean, think about they're just doing traffic law enforcement. Listen, I want I want to know how the the state trooper detective that caught this case approached the suspect and said, "Listen, ma'am, we're going to have DNA if you don't." <laughs> it was touch yeah, DNA. I'm so surprised John's being so quiet on this issue because you know he's got all these thoughts racing through his brain. And, and 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 Brett's thinking, man, I should probably go before John goes because he's going to take all the good material before I get it out. So first, so it's a competition. Our, our users are watching this live. I, I just I just couldn't imagine writing that affidavit. <laughs> I just could not imagine writing that affidavit and then putting my name on the bottom of it and then asking the supervisor to notarize it. <laughs> especially, if we, especially if it was smudged. Yeah, smudges all over the affidavit. Well, you, I really you hope, know. I you, hope it was yeah. a direct file. <laughs> that would be even better. That would be even better. Can you imagine what we would do with that, Brett? You, you would intentionally get so, get a chocolate bar and make some more. Oh, sorry, I got something for you. <laughs> I want to know if that case is referred. You know, like the guy took it and then kicked it up to a detective and he had to work it. And he goes, oh, it's a, it's a real case. But, uh, you know, there's a number of one-liners out there. But you, you're right. I'm just trying to figure out, there we are in the moment, right in the affidavit, trying to figure out how I'm not going to get punked the rest of my life while I went to that department. Yeah. That's right. Especially, especially if you filed it and they said, okay, we'll issue a warrant. She, she lives out of, <laughs> out of jurisdiction. Well, we have a message for David from Salty Monkey. Did it pass the sniff test? <laughs> All I can, all I can do, all I can guarantee you is that we're not going anywhere near any escalator with that one. What a mess! <laughs> well, Scott McCauley didn't shake her hand. Uh, I mean, the, the guys are just tearing it up, man, on this, on this. So, wow. Hey, Dave. Oh. You know, if it was a trail camera, it's probably infrared. You, you probably see her face coming up to the camera, kind of, kind of sniffing around a little bit. You know, you see her coming in, coming out, and finally. You, you can see you can see the heat signature change. There you go. <laughs> the steaming divot, as they go. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, the very first time the guy woke up, walked down to his end of his driveway to get his paper, and there was a turd. <laughs> you know, he's probably going, "What the? You know, <laughs> gotta get my camera." Because that's what I would think about, right? i got to get my camera. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get my camera. I'm going to call the state police. Like, what kind of freaking animal is this? Yeah. Hey, well, listen, and, and even worse, guys, if if she was truly lactose intolerant, it's it's not going to be a, a pretty – oh, that's not going to be <laughs> – I want to take a moment and tell – our audience about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Throughout my career, I've seen firsthand what can happen if law enforcement agencies extra duty program, if there's problems with it, if it's not given the necessary attention, its resources um, are not met. And I also see inefficiencies in detail awarding processes and payroll nightmares and collection calls. They can also derail your staff's production and morale as well as jeopardize your agency's reputation. So um, with proper oversight, your agency's extra duty or off-duty employment program, it can be profitable. Extra Duty Solutions, they administer these programs at no cost to your agency or municipality while they take on all the administrative burden and the financial risks, such as bad debts from unpaid invoices, and they actually float the cost for you. 
so they can utilize your agency's rules and processes and scheduling algorithms to avoid grievances, and they can keep the program fair and transparent. So the officers that are most eligible to work the off-duty assignments, they're actually the guys that get the first crack at them the way it should be. And Extra Duty Solutions, they paid out over a whopping $50 million. That's $50 million in the past 12 months, and they've never been late ever. Never once. So at no cost to your agency or municipality, the service is truly a win-win for your agency, for your customers, and most importantly, for the citizens of your community that you represent. So I encourage you to visit their website at extradutysolutions.com. A new and more efficient way to administer your off-duty has arrived. And that said, we appreciate their sponsorship as well. All right. Any, anybody else? I hate, I hate to, to call this short, but anybody else before we, we wrap it up for the evening? All right. Well, look. Thanks to our panel for being here, and, and especially this last lively discussion. Our 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 panel truly proved their expertise in this issue. So, except for Ward, Ward did not engage on this last one, <laughs> so we didn't get the legal opinion. But on the on the on the on the I guess the I don't I, Ward. I mean, the only thing I can ask you is that what what. I, there's different kinds of, evi- of proof of evidence you have to have the preponderance of the evidence, and uh, you know I mean, what do you what do you, what is the level of uh, of proof that you need for something like this in best court? Best evidence. Best evidence. You're, you're muted. You're muted, Ward. Uh, we don't want to miss a word. So that's, that's plenty of evidence. Uh, what what, in, what intrigued me was her defense. I mean, maybe once I can get it, but three times. Yeah, <laughs> there must have been some vendetta going on there. You know, anyhow. <sighs> well, I'll leave. I, we I can... actually, I actually had a client who this happened to. She was. Oh. <laughs> she, she she couldn't make it to the bathroom for the very you know the the because of irritable bowel syndrome, and they had locked the door on her, and she couldn't get in, and uh, pretty humiliating. Wow, you you remember, Brett? You remember? Were you and I when we had the uh, when we had the case where the, where they locked the, the what was the uh, the vol- the human volcano? They locked the door when the female was in there, you know, at at like fiftieth and freaking Columbus, and 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 they 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 let the guys. There was a whole group of officers that left over that. And, I don't and, remember that at all. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> they called Hiroshima. What, what, what was the what was the with the cracks that they were? No, cable, you don't want to get there. Cable guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm a, I'm hoping to salvage whatever self-esteem I have left. All right. All right. Good luck with that. Okay. Let's see our next one here. Um, you know, speaking of Baltimore, uh, PoliceOne.com, Baltimore Police Commissioner announces integrity test for officers. And you know, we've got a, a couple guys that I'd really like to hear from on this, Brett being our former internal affairs commander and also John being a former assistant chief. Um, now, our, our commissioner here is Daryl DeSosa, and I must admit that I've been pretty impressed with what he's been able to do in Baltimore so far. And he, he certainly seems like he's he's got the cojones to, to at least try to get this place straightened out over there. Now, the police commanders, it says, might plant cash on a park bench to tempt officers, or they might call a district police station to test officers over the phone. It says both are examples of the random integrity test Baltimore's new police commissioner says that he is launching. Now here, and the quote from DeSosa, these integrity tests are going to check people. The good officers have nothing to worry about. Man, I can't wait to hear what you guys say about this. Who wants that? Johnny, want to take it first? Sure. And, I, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to read this article, but 
the random test is versus subjective testing. You know, having I spent seven years in internal affairs um, looking for a day shift, that actually was a eye-opening experience. But you go back to the wallet test of the New York PD, and I forget under what commission where they left like 30 wallets somewhere and, you know, nine out of the uh, 30 wallets weren't recovered and they fired those people. And then they went back like 20, 25 years later and they did the same thing and 100% of the wallets were returned. You know, I am all for a subjective, if you have a reason, if you have cause, um, there's always those two schools of thought. Look, if Baltimore has so much free time on their hands to drop wallets on park benches and they think that's going to get to the core of the issue, and they've got they, they they've got some issues. They they have some bigger things to worry about as to whether or not they have pervasive organizational corruption or poor ethics in the organization or not. And leaving a wallet on a park bench isn't going to solve that. Um, you do it subjectively, in my opinion. If you have a reason to do it, if it's a specific, you've had complaints about it, you've had hunches about it. But just to go around dropping wallets, I think, is a giant waste of police time, a giant waste of resources. Just, you know, the old adage, you don't throw crap across the room to see who it sticks to. You know what I mean? And I, I, that's how I feel about random exams. You're not talking about that story I told last week, are you, when you're talking about throwing crap around, across the room? <laughs> no, that was a lady in a cul-de-sac. No. <laughs> okay. And, hey, did, is that how you and David D. Greston met when you were working internal affairs? No. No. Well, I met Dave at 13th and Waters. I uh, don't even want to know at the old, the old near brand new seven 11 that stayed open for six months and then became like a, some sort of local, you know, bodega. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, I digress. David, David digressed <laughs> our frequent flyer for internal affairs here. Uh, Brett, you want to, you want to take it next to then Cody? Now, you know what? Just hold no. on one flipping minute. That just hurts my feelings. There was no chair in internal affairs with my name on it. Never happened. Never. No, forget it. You can, you, I'm more than happy to, to hold my my jacket up against anybody's and it ain't nowhere near as thick so no well, no, no folks watching the show if you go to leoroundtable.com and go down to the interview section where we have david telling one of his many stories we haven't got him on camera with the other one yet but you guys need to watch that many many stories <laughs> just because i handed their asses to them a few times does not mean that i have many stories okay forget that stuff I'm I'm proud of you, David. I think you've 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 done a great job, man. I mean, how many guys can get accused of doing some of that stuff, and and you were totally innocent. So <laughs> some of that stuff. <laughs> what an ass. <laughs> Go ahead, Brett. I uh, I saw that video and I detected. I thought I saw a little tear coming out of Dave's eyes once, but I I could have been wrong. I don't know. Uh, well, getting back to the topic at hand, I don't think that uh, what the chief and the mayor want to do is going to be productive. It. And uh, I had this conversation with some of my bosses back when I was in charge of maternal affairs, and the consensus was this. It's, it's not necessary. It's, it'll kill morale. Not that Baltimore has got a high morale already. You know, they're already in the crapper over that. But I remember years ago, there was a dollar bill that somebody had dropped between the, the door on the bottom floor in the parking garage. And that, that dollar bill stayed there for like a week. And I thought, come on, really, guys? You know, everybody's going... You know, there's a there's a fishing line on. As soon as I tug it, the camera's coming on, and they're going to get me. Um, but no, I wouldn't do it. I would I would not do it. it. It'll it'll kill morale. It'll put it'll put morale deeper in the than it already is there. Okay. Hey, Chip, and people aren't looking for us to protect thieves. I do remember a case where we had a an officer that 
two or three people had came forward and said he was stealing stuff, stuff never, you know, my money never made it to booking, you know, and, and, you know, having looked at that situation 15 different ways, right? Because like Brett said, you get it wrong. You get it wrong as an organization that you're going to do an integrity test, whether it's targeted or it's random. You get it wrong. You suck for a long time. I think that's the technical term. And we provided this guy with it, and he failed. I mean, he stole the money. And it, it, but it came out of, even though we had, I don't want to say it was two or three cases where people had come forward and couldn't prove it that he had, and it was very specific. He was the guy. We did it. We provided it and, and, it, and he failed. And a lot of people are happy that we did it because we don't want to be associated with thieves. But man, the risk versus reward on those cases is, is very, very serious. And you take them at the highest level even if you really think you have a bad police officer and you're going to target that person with an integrity check, you always run the risk as being that jerk organization that doesn't trust its employees. And at the end of the day, we want to trust all the folks that we work with. Yeah, no, you're right. You should be able to. So I got, I got a good story for yeah. you, Chip. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Cody. I'm sorry. You go ahead, Chip. What I was going to say is, as far as the integrity test, I believe that if you believe think there's that much corruption within your ranks, the last thing you should be doing is announcing what you're going to be doing. You know, keep yeah. it keep it under wraps, yeah. and if you got to nail somebody, nail them. But don't announce what you're going to do because anybody who's got half a brain in their head is now aware of the tests and is going to be, you know, conscientious of what they're doing if they're trying to cover up the fact that they're a kleptomaniac or a just purely an asshole. So, um, and yes, we would all like to, to trust who's in our ranks. Um, and, and that's a great premise to have, but the reality is there are on the job and we need to weed them out. So if you got some dirt ball that's stealing stuff and corrupt and doing the wrong thing, um, let's expose them. Let's get them out of here. Cause they make a bad name for all of us and it brings us all down and it brings the morale and the integrity of the entire department down. So I have no problem with the testing, but I think that there's better ways to do it. But, but think about that, Cody. Think about how that could actually be a brilliant move because now anything going down, you don't know whether the department's setting you up or whether it's just something that's just going down. So overnight, he could curtail a lot of the um, the thefts or just the unethical you know behavior that's going on. He could just curb a lot of that overnight. It may not last long, but... That, that, that's true, although, although somebody has the mentality to behave in that manner is very calculated. And they're very aware of what's going on and what's what the norm is. And they're going to bypass that something that's going to get them tested anyways. You know, if they're on the take, they're doing stuff. It's outside of the scope of what the department is supervising and seeing anyways, or they wouldn't be getting away with it as long as they did. John, and I, know, I know, Brett, you're waiting to go too. two years ago. This is the same organization that told the guys to retreat and give folks, you know, you know, let them go, let them go ahead and set the city on fire. Right. So, I, I get it. If you say it, maybe it's a deterrence. But man, talk about a morale killer. If you're that cat that stay, has stayed with this organization, yeah. and like I said, there's some talented people in Baltimore PD, right? My mom lived up there for a number of years. I mean, I've met some people up there. There's some good police officers, a lot of great police officers up there. So besides being told to, you know, let the city burn, you know, all the issues that they dealt with, now coming out of that, the first thing they declare is we're going to do, you know, we're going to drop wallets on the park bench and see who steals it. I'm like, you know, what else can you do to make us feel really proud to be part of that organization? I think the timing is horrible. If it was, you know, something just to put out to scare the bad guys, but Cody's hit the nail on the head. If you're a conniving person, you ain't looking for money on a wallet. You're doing it some other way. And, and I just think that's a morale killer. The timing, if it was meant in a different way, the timing's horrible. 
Well, thanks. Brett? Uh, when I was captain of IA, we had a concern. Some of the people using improper language on the MDT, you know, for the listeners, that's the, the computers in the car. There was some concern. Of course, it's all public information. So we wanted to kind of squelch that. So we got with IT and they were able to uh, come up with a program where we could punch in a, you know, a, a word of concern and find out if anybody's doing it, you know, and one of the, one of the ones that came up, a female officer wrote to another female officer on the MDT, Hey, if you get that out of your ear, you could hear the radio. That was kind of the extent of it. And we, we said, Hey, would you please not use that language? And that little revolution was all over. We never had a problem again. Imagine that. Uh, anybody else guys? You're listening to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show on Good Talk Radio with the Cutting Edge Radio Network. You can also find us at leoroundtable.com and we have plenty more to come. All right, let's uh, let's see what we got here. We got another video. Police1.com deputy. Oh, you know, you guys know I have a special place in my heart for canines. And and yes, we've got a couple videos coming up. Deputy and canine split up to track down suspects. And man, we've got good bites in these. Uh, Hudson, Florida. And actually, I think that, yeah, Chris Nocco, who, uh, David, I think I, I think you used to work for, for Nocco before you left, um, mm-hmm. recently released video shows a deputy and a canine splitting up to track down two men who had been accused of stealing and crashing an SUV. Now, this was reported on WTBT, and our bad guys are Jacob Montgomery and David Brunton, and they led Deputy Nitch Carmack on a pursuit that ended when the two crashed the stolen Ford Explorer on Saturday. Now, after the suspects fled, Carmack released his canine, Shep, on Montgomery while he pursued Brunton, and he actually took, took care of Brunton pretty quick. Once Carmack apprehended Brunton, the, I guess that was the driver, I believe. The uh, I'm, I'm sorry, probably the passenger. The deputy made the suspect run along with him to retrieve his dog, Shep, in Montgomery. In Montgomery, the other bad guy was actually dragging the canine along as the dog had latched onto his arm. It was it was it was a great video. And we have Chris Nocco, our sheriff in uh, Pasco County, actually commented on it too. Uh, it says that Shep eventually released Montgomery's arm after Carmack ordered him to let go. And backup officers finally arrived. The suspects taken in the custody, and everything went down good. But uh, but just an enjoyable video to watch. Any comments on this one, Cody? That that was awesome. That dog did a great job. That deputy did a great job. He stayed in the game. He kept his eye on everything. I thought it was fabulous. And I loved how the you know the dog wanders off after he lets go of the guy's arm, like he's going off for a rabbit or something. He's like, hey hey hey, get back here. But that was awesome. The dog did a good job. Good commands. Yeah, and he cared for the dog. I mean, he he knew the dog was out there, didn't know what was, and he made the bad guy run with him. I I absolutely love it. What just just great, um, Brett and, and David. Before this is over, I want to hear if you if you work for Naco. You know, I don't I don't know about canine tactics. I never was, so I don't know. I you know, send the dog by himself. I don't know anything about that, but I do like the fact that he dragged the bad guy along and say, "Hey, pal, you're coming with me." Now the big question is, is is he does that count as time served? <laughs> while he's being dragged through the woods. Does that, does that gain time right there? All right. David, did you – number one, is, is Carmack related to the Carmack with Tampa police? Do you know? I, I have no idea. No, I have no idea. And well, like I said, for- in, in Pasco, they, I, I worked for, for Naco. He, he, was, uh, he was a good guy, reformer, I think. He came into the sheriff's office and started slowly, but then surely, and now more so from what I hear, doing a lot of good things up there. So that's good. 
the uh but but yeah the un unfortunate the unfortunate part of that is is you get into some places up there and a lot of our viewers that are rural deputies and pasco's not as rural as some places but you can get out there you know pretty far out by yourself and 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 you have to you have to deal with it you know, i mean your, your backup might be eight nine ten uh, you know minutes away 15 minutes away sometimes um it wasn't like it was in tampa where you know that you're standing there looking at a bag on the eye and you take your radio out of your holster and you shake it you start shaking the radio and goes what are you doing just bringing more cops because they're going to fall out of this radio because you know everybody's right around the corner from you in, in tampa in pasco yes you can you can be out there for a few minutes by yourself so he did a good job all right good deal all right, guys, thank you to our panel for being here and for our users that are on YouTube conversing with us. A shout out to Good Talk Radio, I10FM, the Free Press, and also Pexip, who's sponsoring us. And hey, our big sponsors, Colin Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, Viridian Weapon Technologies. Thank you guys so much. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week. Good night.